bridge. <clears throat> and captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire, crash landing expectedly or unexpectedly. Those were the days. There is something coming. Battle stations. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. An all-consuming darkness. And it is getting stronger. John Luke, trust no one. We're with you. Always. Engage! Hello everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to the Front Row Movie Reviews. And I'm starting that way because we are doing a joint venture here with Front Row Movie Reviews and Gray 17 Podcast to talk about Star Trek Picard Season 3. Blake and I got the crazy opportunity to watch the first six episodes of Star Trek Picard Season 3. So we're going to go over what we thought about those episodes and what we think about the season so far. But I will say right off the bat, we are not allowed to say any spoilers. So there are a lot that happened in the first six episodes, but we cannot talk about them specifically. We will talk about our feelings on the season so far, where we think uh, it's doing well and where we, uh, our opinions on it. But if you're looking for what happens in episode five, we're not going to tell you that until you get to watch episode five in a couple months from now. So I'm Scott and with me is Blake. So Blake, let's get out right off our chest real quick. What is your first initial impressions of what you saw of Picard season three? I think my initial impressions of it is this is very much I'm going to call it a love letter to fans of TNG. Uh, I mean, this is back to what made that series work, what made that cast work. Um, you and I grew up with TNG. I think we'll both say, you know, we love DS9, but TNG is the series we grew up with. And this very much goes back to that. And, you know, one thing we've seen in modern takes on old series is they do these little nuggets for fans that are more or less fan service. Everything in this is so intentional. It <laughs> is paying tribute to, it is honoring the fans, honoring the legacy of the show, and it was very well done. I like that you didn't bury the lead, so you're happy with what you saw so far. Yes. Uh, I am absolutely happy, too. When I when I gave you the link to the screeners, I said, I think you're going to like, like the first second. And I can't say what the first second is. But if you are a fan of Trek, and I'm talking the original series, the movies, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, I think you're going to love this thing. I, I see this, and I'm going to quote what Terry Metalis, the new showrunner for the season, said. And I forgot where I heard it from him, but I know I heard it from him. And that is, this is the next generation cast's undiscovered country. Mm -hmm. This is the movie they should have gotten to end 
their run and it feels like a movie mm -hmm. it absolutely it really feels like a movie and i'll say my one last thing on first impressions before we get into dive into stuff is i'm pissed off because now since i've seen six episodes and so have you i've got to wait seven weeks before i know what happens next and they they ended it on a cliffhanger and that really annoys me but before we dive into season three a little bit more, uh, Blake, tell me how you feel about quote unquote new Trek, specifically, obviously Picard season one and season two. So we can get kind of a baseline of where we're at, but then also what I would call um, the, the Paramount plus Trek universe that we have going mm -hmm. right now. Well, and I will say, I agree with you on the episode six thing. Cause I got to the end of that and <laughs> everyone else in my house is asleep at this point and I'm I get to that point and it's like damn it and try not to wake everybody else up when I do that um as far as new trek goes and I'll start with Picard you know I actually didn't hate season one I thought it was a slow burn but I didn't dislike season one I didn't like some of the choices it made uh the infamously panned cut and copy Starfleet mm -hmm. um I hated that it was just lazy and I think there were some pieces that it just, it didn't feel like the cat, the characters we knew. It was very, very different. Um, season two, you and I have said the exact same thing. It's a great first episode. It's a great last episode. Cut out the eight hours in the middle, put them together and call it a two hour special. Um, Would have done great. I did like in season two, a little bit of the in-between uh, where it came to some of the exposition about Picard's family. Those pieces were good. I think they could have worked, kept some of that in between, but by and large, the eight episodes in the middle just drug too long. But New Trek in general, I've liked it since it came back. You know, it's different. It looks different, but it works. Uh, Discovery got off to a rough start. I think some of that was the behind the scenes turmoil uh, with the people that came in. You had Brian Fuller who wanted to do an anthology series. Um, he, he left, and I think the series struggled through its first season from what Fuller's vision was, uh, to transition when it got into season two, to kind of standing on its own with a different direction. And that opened the door to Strange New Worlds. And that honestly is one of my favorite series in the franchise. Strange New Worlds is so very well done. Um, the episodic nature, but it still is connected. So what happens in one episode will definitely, uh, bleed into another, but you can watch the episodes as a standalone and you don't feel like you've missed something, uh, which is great. I like that part of it. Uh, going back to that with Star Trek as well. I'm not a huge fan of Prodigy. I'll be honest. I've watched it. Um, I'm sure it's great for a younger audience, but I just, I've not gotten into Prodigy that much. Uh, but Lower Decks, I do love watching uh, Lower Decks and cannot wait for the Strange New Worlds uh, Lower Decks crossover, which actually is going to be directed by Frakes. So that should yes. be a good one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really mostly in the same boat with you. I think Discovery has gotten a lot better. Uh, I think season three was the high point so far, but season four wasn't too bad at uh, at all. Uh, I enjoy Lower Decks. I honestly haven't caught up with Lower Decks uh, all the way, but I enjoy what I saw. I did see the DS9 episode because I I had to. And uh, Prodigy, I haven't. What was that? Just keep orbiting. I know. Just keep orbiting. Do it again. Go around again. Uh, and I haven't really watched Prodigy either, but I agree with you. Strange New Worlds is uh, quintessential Trek for me. In terms of Picard, uh, season one was very much a slow burn. And uh, the cut and paste fleet was really annoying. And 
I just, I didn't like the darkness of season one. And we will get back to that a lot, I think, in our conversation about season three. But I just, it didn't feel like Trek to me. It felt like just another story with a couple characters I knew tacked on and not that many characters to begin with. And season two, you said it, and we've said it before together, is I think if you take episodes one, episode two, and episode 10 and or actually is it eight? I don't know how many episodes season two had, but whatever the last episode, you merge those three together. You got a pretty decent movie. And I will say the writer of season, of uh, season two, episodes one and two was Terry Metalis, who then became showrunner of season three. So let's go ahead and dive right in to season three. And again, as I mentioned in the upfront, uh, we have the ability to talk about overarching themes and our feelings on the show, but if you're looking for spoilers, this is not the place to go. Although we will probably do an episode recap, I think, once the episodes start airing, and we'll get into much more details. There's a lot of stuff. I will tell you all up front that what you saw in the trailers, you ain't seen nothing yet. I told Blake when I had him watch these that you're going to have several oh shit moments. <laughs> and I, was i right <laughs> you were absolutely right i mean there were some times watching that and i sent you a few uh expletive posts as uh was going through it <laughs> i knew exactly where you were in the show by what you were mentioning like oh that just happened Ooh, <laughs> this just happened so that was really fun but uh let's uh let's first kind of dive into the overarching um just how we feel about this compared to season one and season two in terms of themes, in terms of production, things of that nature, and being very careful that we only talk to what people have seen so far. Yeah, and I would say, I think for me, talking very broadly on the production is this feels like the evolution of the next generation. You know, it production-wise, it looks like it, it feels like it. You know, you can tell it's been 25, 30 years, but it feels like what you're familiar with. And it has those pieces. Um, also with the production and story writing, the pacing is spot on. I mean, there is no point uh, during these first six episodes where I'm sitting there going, oh God, we're still doing this. We're still here. You know, and I think you and I both had that in some prior seasons. And there was no point during this where it was that kind of just a slog of, oh God, why are we still here? Yeah, I, I think that is one of my biggest points that I got as watching this is I realize the pacing is just different. There is an intentionality, as I think you mentioned, and there is a drive towards what's going to happen next. We're not, I'm sorry, we're not having a show tune in the middle of an episode for no apparent reason. Uh, we are getting plot points fed to us at a good clip and it's not something where an issue that is in episode one isn't going to be an issue per se in episode six we our, our characters are moving the plot is moving it doesn't feel like a two-hour movie being stretched out to 10 hours it does feel like a movie though and that's the other thing I want to just hit on first for me is the production value. It is, it's a different show flat out. It's a different show. 
the lighting is different. And I will say the trailers make it look darker than what it is. And that was a concern of mine is like, okay, I don't care how much this guy's going to improve the storyline. If it's still going to look like it's, you know, the same old thing. It's not. Now I will say it's not bright like TNG, but think the difference between all good things and generations. That's the difference here. Mm -hmm. It's not the bright lights of a TNG TV show, but it sure as heck looks like generations first contact specifically. And along with that, no more cut and paste fleet. Yeah. They put some time and we've seen a couple of the, uh, the, the ships already. We know from the trailer, the Titan a is in there, a Neo constitution class. And boy, uh, I wasn't sold on it in the trailer, but man, that ship's a beauty. Yeah. And then we know the enterprise F is in the show, but there are other ships and I can't, tell you what they are and it really annoys me because there's some really fun ones but they there is no copy and paste fleet we have some classes we're well aware of we have new classes and it just it just looks like they put more time into it it looks like the folks who did this cared well that's even the team they brought back i mean it, it's well known. It, the, they brought back some of the production team. You had Michael Okuda in this. You had Doug Drexler at some point uh, had a hand in some of this. You had people that were working on Star Trek Online. Uh, so they had all of these people that have worked on this stuff before and who know it so well, all contributed into doing this. And it shows. It really does. I, I will say, whoever cut the trailer masterclass and how to do a trailer by the way yeah yeah uh yeah it's one of those trailers where you think you know more than you do and uh i don't think it's a spoiler to say that i would say 99 percent of the trailer is from the first couple episodes so you ain't seen nothing yet well and the other part i would say with production on this you know, season one, when they're going through the whole board cube in Picard and they, he does the escape with, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the character. That tells uh, you all you need to know about season one, right? Yeah, that right there. So they escape the board cube and they do this long range transport to a planet. It's like, well, I'll be damned. There's Will Riker. You know, it just kind of that random beyond credibility jump of, oh, look, it's Will Indiana. When the characters come in, in this season mm -hmm. it fits naturally within the story absolutely is, is what i would say so that's the other part i really liked with it you know it's not just people popping up for the sake of being there it's intentional and it fits and it works very well the thought i had when we started quote unquote getting the gang back together is it felt like the magnificent seven you have your mm -hmm. first two main guys who are called on a mission and then they start reaching out to folks and sometimes falling into uh, folks they weren't expecting. But it, you're right. It just feels like we are building to a crescendo, uh, which unfortunately our screeners didn't get to, which is why I'm really annoyed. That I got to wait another two months now, but um, it, 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 yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the thing that kept popping in my head throughout watching these six episodes was, this should have been season one. This should have been what Star Trek Picard was supposed to be. Now, I know uh, from behind the scenes stuff and what I've read, 
this is probably not what Patrick Stewart wanted. I think he, he had said in many interviews that he didn't want to just do the next generation again. And he wanted to do something more, you know, internal looking into Picard's character. But I will say this is not TNG redux at all, but it just feels, it feels right. It feels mm-hmm. like this is the way it should have been from the beginning. You've got some of our characters yeah. who, as we know in season one, um, the, the Rikers and Picard are still friends, but you've also got some characters who Picard hasn't spoken to in 20 years. And so those dynamics are interesting as well too. And I think some of that is how the series was pitched to Patrick Stewart in the first mm. place. And I think if he would have been pitched this, he might've felt differently on the series as far as what he wanted or didn't want. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get, he wanted something different and this is different. It isn't, you're right. It's not just a remake of the next generation, but it's a very organic continuation of it. And I think that would have gone over better than kind of what was originally set up and pitched to him, which was a very introspective version into Picard's character itself. Mm-hmm. But just landed really flat with, I think some of the creative crew that was behind the scenes didn't get what they were working with, that they didn't get the characters, that they didn't get what the fans were expecting. Mm-hmm. And it just, it didn't feel like what we knew. It was, I would even go so far as say it wasn't even Picard in season one. Not until later, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lack of passion for the project, maybe. Not so much in the actors. I think, you know, Stewart and Frakes the, are obviously passionate about what they do. And Sirtis was in season one as well. And of course, uh, Spiner was in all, and we know from the trailer, all three seasons in one shape or form. Um, but there was just a lack of, a lack of caring about what came before in season one, season two. And I, I've already said it, but in the first literal second of this show, you've you're you're told as a fan of what came before we get it we understand this is going to be a new story but we respect you and we respect what came before and it's just like it's just a breath of fresh air um so we've been talking about the characters a little bit blake uh again we can't go into much but uh, one of the big changes in season three is most of the main cast from season one and season two uh have been have have uh been have left the show and we knew that in season two uh one of our main characters is back in the 21st century one of our main characters is the borg queen um so uh, what we know in the trailer and what we 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 know from season three that everyone knows is really the only returning cast person that you know of right now is rafi Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, how do you feel about that transition of from these characters that were built up from the first two seasons to now shifting back to the TNG cast? Well, and and you have Jerry Ryan in as well, and that's Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Well, so I, Jerry sorry, Ryan yes. is there from Jerry the Ryan, first... she's she's in her own little world because she's former Trek and new Trek, so right. I just I I I kind of pinned her with the TNG cast and I shouldn't have done that. You're right. Yeah, Jerry Ryan is obviously a main factor in this show as well, too. 
but with the other characters from season one and two i mean honestly you don't miss them and i think that goes also like we've said before it goes to the writing of season one and two i don't think we really got invested in those characters that much even i think the most promising character out of it um from season one was uh evan evagoria with uh elnor and mm-hmm. the potential of that character, but then you get to season two and, and pretty much literally spends, put him in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Gets put in the fridge for the entire run of it um, and doesn't get utilized or developed any. So, I mean, I think I could say I would have liked to have seen some development there and who knows there's four episodes left. Um, what may happen that we don't know about yet. And there's some potential there maybe, but mm-hmm. I think that's the one character that I would say um Rios didn't really get invested in Rios as a character. Um, Allison Pill, um, I think we both commented on Gerardi annoyed us most of the time uh, mm-hmm. throughout the season. And I don't think it was Allison Pill's fault. I think it was the writing's fault most. Yeah, of it. absolutely. Because I mean, uh, in the newsroom, Allison Pill's great, so it wasn't the actress in that bit case. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, of all the of all the season one, season two, quote unquote, new cast, Michelle Hurd. I think was the strongest piece with Rafi. So having mm. Rafi back and where we find Rafi and her, where her arc is going is interesting. I was worried and you kind of get this from the trailer. I was worried that it was going to be the TNG cast on one plot, the a plot and the Rafi show on this, the B plot, but that's really not the case. And they really do intertwine those two those those two storylines fairly well uh, in mm-hmm. the first six episodes. Yeah, which really it, it works. And I was trying to think <laughs> how I wanted to phrase this because I know I'm being very careful myself. Because right. <laughs> you mentioned these, you know, moments where it says you message we were messaging back and forth. It's just you those responses where you knew where I wasn't. Honestly, that's one of those oh shit moments. Yes. Where I messaged you, and that's what I was trying to phrase. How do I go there? But yes, that's one of those oh shit moments is where we'll that get there when we get happens. there. <laughs> that's why we need to do episode recaps because I want to talk about these episodes because every single, I mean, we're talking uh, the season as a whole, at least the first 60% of it, but there's not a weak episode in the bunch, folks. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I sound like a fanboy, but I didn't really like what came before. And I've been hit and miss on New Trek from the beginning. This, there's not one bad episode. I didn't look at my watch watch uh, once. I watched six hours of Picard two nights ago, nonstop. And I, I was upset that it ended after six hours. <laughs> uh, a couple of uh, characters I want to hit on. And again, we can't get into too much detail, but we do have uh, several new folks that you do see in the trailer. Uh, Amanda Plummer uh, as uh, the captain of the villainous ship. Uh, which actually, you know, I'm looking at Wikipedia and her, her name is listed. So I'll say her name is Vatic because it looks like it's public. Uh, we have Ed Spielers who they have not told you who they, that person is yet. So we won't talk about who that person is, but then we also have Todd Stashwick who is, uh, Captain Shaw of the Titan. And then we have, uh, the LaForge girls, uh, one, uh, played by Micah Burton which is LeVar Burton's daughter. And then another LaForge daughter, which is paid, played by Ashley, Ashley Sharp Chestnut. So those are the main folks that people know are going to be in the show based on the trailer. 
Uh, any highlights from those folks that we can talk about at this point? What I, yeah, because one, Amanda Plummer, obviously her dad, uh, yep. General Chang from the Undiscovered Country. Christopher Plummer, yep. Christopher Plummer. And he was absolutely great in that as a villain in Star Trek. And I can't, I was looking for the quote real quick because um, it is an open quote that's out there uh, from Batalis, I believe, is Amanda Plummer played the quintessential Star Trek villain mm -hmm. and does it very, very well. Yes. And so I, I don't think they could have done that better. Mm -hmm. Um. And with the way, even what you see in the trailer of her uh, within that role and the mannerisms and the acting, it just comes across in such an unnerving way. Yeah. And she's not, you're right. She is a quintessential Trek villain, but unfortunately a lot of times the Trek villains are a copy of Khan. And that's the way it's been for a long time. We need a villain. Well, Khan worked, so let's make Khan again. And that's not the case with Plummer's character. Uh, her character has a different reason for doing what she is doing. And that reason, as we learn throughout the season, starts to make sense. And there's a puzzle there. And when the puzzle starts taking shape, you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is where they're going? Really? And it's, it's, it's refreshing, but also it's not refreshing. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's refreshing to you watching a story, but where they take it, you're like, oh, these guys understand Trek. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, the other one has been really a standout. And I will say he actually messaged us, messaged us on Twitter a little bit ago. So I'm a little dumbfounded that he said, hi, and that's Todd Stashwick. You don't get much of Captain Shaw in the trailer, but he's, I really enjoy what he did with that role. Well, I can't say nearly anything, but I really enjoy what he did with that role. And I think he's going to be one of the standouts of this season. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would agree with that. And the other one, which we can't, we can say even less is uh, Ed Spielers who um, we see in the trailer. There's a lot of people making assumptions of who he is and some people are right and some people are wrong. Uh, but again, to what you said earlier, Blake, when we find out who he is, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's not like a, oh, well, that's dumb. It makes sense. And that's the other thing I, well, and, I can and talk about. Oh, go ahead, Blake. And, it's, and his acting in the role is, I will say, I think there are casting choices they could have made of an actor who could not support that role. Yeah. And I think his portrayal of it and given what that who that character is, his he has the acting ability to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, that was another thing because that had a potential for a weak spot in this. It, it really did. And I think and important. that was one concern I kind of had is, mm -hmm. you know, we started going through the episodes. I'm like, is this going to, you know, is he going to be able to pull this off? Because I've seen him in other things. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen him in Downton Abbey. I've seen him in other projects he's been in. And I was kind of worried that is this going to work, but no, he absolutely pulled it off. So the other thing I, I kind of want to hit on too with that is uh, there's not one weak actor in the bunch. And uh, we haven't even talked about the TNG cast, but they all come to play. Every one of them. And I will say, and you kind of see this in the trailer, Gates McFadden gets more to do in this season 
than she did in six years of TNG plus four movies. Flat out. She she gets a lot to do, which is great. And mm-hmm. every one of the cast get to play. And it's it's fun to see where they are. And some of some of what you see in the trailers, that's where they are. And some of some of what you see in the trailers, they're they may be somewhere else that you don't that you didn't think about. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I really like about the the show running and the writing, and I don't know who just who did it, if it was the Okudas or if it was Metallus or whomever. But every time as a as a as a Star Trek fan that something comes up that's like, oh, that that doesn't make sense. That's a plot hole. They actually explain that it's not. And I'll give you one example, and I don't think it's a spoiler. And if it is, Paramount can strike me dead. Um, the the hollow the hollow deck is used once. Mm-hmm. And it's at a time where you're like, as soon as they walk in the holodeck, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. The holodeck should not be working right now because this is dumb. And then they actually said, oh, here's why the holodeck is working. And honestly, it kind of makes sense. I mean, obviously it's there for plot, but the way they explained it, I was like, you knew the fans (laughs) were going to be pissed. Yeah. And you're like, no, (laughs) we have a reason for this. (laughs) There there is more than plot convenience here. Yeah. I mean, it's still plot convenience, but at least they understand that the nerds like us are going to be like, now explain to me how that happened. Well, we will right now in dialogue why that happened. And it's just, it's so well put together. And um, yeah, the other thing I want to hit on, and then we can just kind of free range it here, is I really want to talk as much as I can, which is not much, about the music. And the composer of this, Stephen Barton, I think he knocks it out of the park with this, with this, um, with this, these, these pieces of music. And mm-hmm. uh, it can be very easy to just be aping what came before, but he doesn't. But I mean, if you are a fan of what's come before in Trek, you are going to really appreciate what Stephen Barton is mm-hmm. doing with this score and if you're a person who thought the season one and season two picard scores were me i think you're going to be happy like what do you think about that yeah because i i will say right from the very first episode there is a specific point Mm -hmm. listening to the score that i pretty much sat there and went damn yeah they did it (laughs) yeah it was just damn they did it And and just wait for the closing credits on every episode you're just like wow <laughs> which was the second point where i'm just when it when the closing one hit that's the one where i'm i actually got a little misty-eyed on that one yeah. just to have that the way it was i i think we can we can safely say because as soon as somebody sees the first the opening credits and then the closing credits of the first episode um we are back to the tng which is the star trek the motion picture fanfare a lot more than what we get in season one and season two of Picard. It felt like much like when enterprise first came out and it was enterprise and not star Trek enterprise. It felt like season one and season two were like, we don't really want to be associated with what came before. We want to be our own thing. And we really don't, I mean, it's star Trek, but we don't want to be no season three is like, we're just putting our foot on the gas and we're going with it. Here it comes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Buckle up. So what have I not talked about, Blake, that you want to chat about? 
I think the other bit would be, and you know, Terry Metalis has been sharing pictures and other things. Is you know, yes, the sets are some redresses from season two, mm-hmm. but specifically they don't feel... the Stargazer Bridge is yeah, exactly. Specifically the Stargazer Bridge and uh, conference room mm-hmm. setup, but it doesn't feel like it. I mean, you can tell it is, but they put enough effort into it because that was one of my other criticisms with the copy and paste fleet. When you saw Riker in that chair in season one, yeah, there was absolutely no freaking doubt he was sitting in the bronze-colored bridge of the Discovery. Yes, yes. And this time, it feels different enough that, yeah, it's a set redress, but it's different enough, and it still makes you feel like you're on a different ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a set redress, but again, and I've hit on this already, the lighting is just different again do not go into this expecting the bright colors of the galaxy class bridge which we both hate by the way yeah and which there's a scene (laughs) in the first episode i was like they finally hit on why i have a problem with the galaxy class but um uh i mentioned that yes yes the fat one uh but uh the the best way I can describe it is if you sit down and watch all good things and then you immediately take that DVD out and you put in generations, that's how season three feels. It has the same lighting dynamic Mm -hmm. as watching the TNG crew on the big screen, which, and I, I think I've said this like 15 times already. This feels to me like a 10 hour TNG movie. And if it continues the next four episodes, the way the first six did, it will be, at least for me, the best TNG movie that we've ever gotten. And from what I understand from folks who have watched the whole thing, uh, the last two hours is literally a TNG movie. So, and we haven't gotten there yet, and I'm at the wait another three months to get there, but that's what I've heard. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on real quick is the other side. I mean, we talked about the main characters that we can talk mm-hmm. about. But another complaint I have with Discovery is even in the season four, I don't know the bridge crew. I I just don't know them. I mean, I've gotten to know a couple of them and so forth and so on. But immediately you start recognizing the members of the Titan crew. And so when things happen to the Titan crew, you care because you know about the Vulcan science officer and you know, Jordy's daughter is the helmsman mm-hmm. and you, you have connections with each of these people in the first six episodes that you didn't get n- nearly three to four seasons of discovery. It's just another one of those where each character gets a little moment to ingratiate themselves with the audience. And I think that's, that's something that could have easily been passed up and not cared about, but it was. Mm-hmm. And and I think that for Discovery goes back to Brian Fuller never mm-hmm. wanted that to be a multi. He wanted an anthology, so yeah. he never built that season where you got invested in those characters. That's um, true. I will say now I give him, I think they've done a better job than you do um, in later seasons. Um, not with the entire bridge crew, but with some of them, you do start to get a better um, relationship and understanding of. Yeah, and then they stick one of them at Starfleet Academy. So yeah, <laughs> the. I think that is really, we've hit on every, I mean, there's so much more I want to talk about guys. And again, I sound like a fanboy, but when you start watching these episodes, 
and you start having the oh shit moments that Blake and I had, I, I hope you'll understand. And there's going to be some people out there who are not going to like this and that's fine. But I think I'm going to go on a limb and say 90% of Star Trek fans and 90% of sci-fi fans are going to find something to like in this. This is, mm. this is not one of those where, well, I like it, but I know other folks aren't. This is so good. Production value, acting, d- direction, which a lot of the episodes are directed by uh, Jonathan Frakes and Frakes, and he really should be given another Star Trek movie, but I know that's probably not going to happen. Um, there's just so much good in here. Well, that and that's really the other excited. part too. Is this is you're right. This is the undiscovered country for the TNG cast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But TNG is not the only franchise property this yes. touches on. Yes, and I was gonna I was gonna hit on that a little bit. I've been very careful. I think the easiest way, Blake, that I can say this, and if you can come up with a better way, please do. Regardless if you if you are a fan of the original series, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, the movies, um, and also the new stuff, of course. And I even think the animated series, to be honest. If you're a fan of one of those shows, you are going to find something here that is a Easter egg for you. And you're going to find something that is going to say, we care about your fandom. And it's not lip service and it's not like remember berries and everything else. No, it's we know what came before and we are respecting mm-hmm. what came before. Well, that's because the cringiest part for me for season one, too, other than the copy and paste fleet was when Picard walked into the Starfleet archives. Yes. And he goes into his section of the library and there's just all of these random things Picard Day. in there for no reason. <laughs> They're just there. You know, yes. you had the model of the Enterprise E, you had the Captain Picard Day, and it was just these random things that were there for no reason. They didn't serve a plot yeah. element. Well, but, how 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 many times did people spend, uh, how many hours did people spend on season two's trailer when there was an artifact that was Bajoran and we're like, oh my God, we're getting Cisco. And it just turned out it was a decoration. They probably didn't even know what it was. So yeah. Which I was pissed over, by the way. I know, so was I. Um, but this, everything that's there is, it serves a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, which to me is far more respectful of the fans than just throwing something in there for the sake of having it be seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... Uh... The other the other point I I want to hit on too with that is I just said that if you're an old Star Trek fan, you're gonna find something to like and you're gonna find something to latch on to. And I gotta tell you, um no, I'm not gonna say it because I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Don't say, don't we'll, say it because I know we'll where you're talk going. about it later. I will say one other thing. There are some references to people we have lost along the way that really hit me. And we'll leave it at that. But um, I want to also say for those who are not fans of Old Trek, this is a good show. You can come in and start watching it, and you're not going to care that what's on Picard's desk was from episode blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. It matters to us, and it's done well. But you can continue to watch this show and be like, oh, this is a good show. There's a good story here. There's a good mystery and it's not just a MacGuffin. We have something we can latch on to. So it's, it's, they've, they've kind of, they've done that high rope act of being able to be nostalgic 
but also tell a good story that anyone can latch on to, mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think anybody can come into this and watch this. If you're a first-time viewer, you're going to enjoy it for what it is and be able to follow it. If you're like us or even longer-term fans than we are, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to come into this and feel at home. Yes, yes. And I, I think, obviously, the fans of the next generation, you got a bad deal with... I mean, whether you like Nemesis or not, I don't think that's the way you end a franchise. You got a bad rap. And I think this is going to make up for it. I really do. But also I can see with, if this does work and I don't know what happens in the last four episodes, I don't know what happens to the characters and all that, but depending on how things work out and if this holds up the way it has held up so far in the first six episodes, I don't think you've seen the end of some of these characters in Trek because this is so well done that I would be very, very shocked if the powers that be didn't go to Terry Metalis and say, what's next? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I'm, I am just floored at how well he knocked this out of the park. And I was not, I was not expecting that, but yeah, Blake, uh, I think, uh, do you have any parting thoughts that we didn't hit on before we close this up? Not so much on season three that we can say, but you know, yeah. what I will say is you and I had a chat very early, early this morning after I got done watching this. Mm -hmm. Yes. You were and, up until about two in the morning watching this for me. Yes. I appreciate it. And you know, you and I had the idea to do gray 17, what, two, three years ago. Yes. And Finally, through the pandemic and everything else, we said, you know, let's do this Babylon 5 podcast. We have no idea where this is going to lead or what we're going to get to do with it. Um, maybe we'll have a hundred or so people listen, but we'll hang out with our friends and we'll talk about these things that we love and have a passion about. And now we're doing this. Yeah. Damn, it's what crazy, a ride we've it? had. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? A bunch of nerds uh, got to be some of the first people in the world to watch this and not only did we get to watch it but it was damn good yeah it's damn good and i'm still pissed that they only gave me six episodes <laughs> it's gonna be a long two months for the two of I us no because we're gonna have to like watch everyone freak out about what happened <laughs> in this episode i'm like oh you ain't seen nothing yet folks <laughs> well, and we have enough other star trek fans in our regular podcast crew that you and i are gonna be sitting there and we're gonna be listening to them spout off about this yeah and, and you and I are going, can't tell you nothing. Yep. It's kind of like listening to the newbies on Babylon 5. You're right there. Huh. You're wrong there. No, that's way out. Of, that's, that's not happening. Oh, you can't believe how close you got on that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there, Blake. I think depending on how the reception is on this sucker, I would love to come back and talk every episode with you when we can. Uh, yeah. And we'll be able to talk about it once it starts airing on Paramount+. Plus. But again, I think... The, the the key thing here is this is some of the best Trek that has come out in a very long time. And I'll go one step farther. This is just good TV and yeah. you owe it to yourself. Even if you were not a fan of season one and season two, even if new Trek just hasn't been a thing for you, go watch strange new worlds and go watch Picard season three. And I think you're going to be happy. And I think yeah. it's two completely dynamically different shows, 
but they both fit in this new paradigm that we have. And it's really nice. So until we talk either Babylon five or star Trek, I guess uh, I've been Scott and with me has been Blake. And you can find all the information about the front row network, as well as gray 17 podcast in the description below. Thanks so much. Picard season three starts February 16th on Paramount plus, And I recommend you watch it because again, that first second, literally first second is a doozy. Thanks everybody.